Hello, it's Eden on 88.9 The Bridge, and this is a very special moment because I'm joined with Avi Schiffman, Hello. the creator of ncove2019.live, which is a coronavirus tracking website. Avi, do you want to say more about this? I feel like you can do a better job with your... Um, so the website is basically like a central hub for information about the coronavirus. So instead of going to like, you know, dozens of government websites and, you know, looking at the CDC briefing every day, which... It's kind of hard to read if you have no idea what to look at. So my website is basically just like all the information in one easy to read place. You can now you can go on your phone and just get the quick facts as soon as you open up the screen. Whereas, you know, you'd have to go to the who.com and like, you know, go to like download their PDFs every single day. And like it would be really complicated. And it's like everything is so far around. And, um, you know, it's not even that accurate because it takes forever to update. And within 24 hours, I mean things change, especially in a global pandemic. And then so there's also other pages too. There's, you know, uh, there's preparation pages, prevention pages. They're all going to be like combined and translated soon. Um, but the main page is then like, you know, the data page. There's a map page if you don't like looking at numbers. There's going to be a timeline kind of thing soon. So, you know, you can see as it updates like, oh, three new cases in Korea. And you can get like a source to the article. So, you know, you click on that and you get directly sent to the New York Times. So, um, you know, that data is actually real. I, I just think that this whole thing is, is so cool. It's so cool what you're doing. Um, and I think I, along with a lot of other people are wondering how you both got the idea for this and made it happen, especially considering that you created in December when there were minimal cases of coronavirus only in China. Yeah. So I saw kind of like on the news a long time ago. I mean, like you're right. Cause this was like barely in the news. Um, especially around Christmas time when I started working on it. And so I saw that a lot of people were concerned that China was kind of underreporting their numbers. And um, it was also just really hard to get the information because this was before the WHO started even doing like their daily shenanigans with their PDFs. And um, so, I mean, like it was also all in Chinese and it was really hard to like get the information, especially let's say you're an American and you're interested in this. I mean, what are you going to do? Like read Chinese form websites? Like it's really hard. <laughs> So um, that was kind of the inspiration to create like a site that would, you know, not have any misinformation, just be like clear and concise. So, I mean, like I, I started working on it as well because I was I've been learning a lot of like new coding things and specifically something called web scraping, which is like a like a script that goes to websites and like gets the code of the website and then you can parse it and you can get, you know, like, oh, it says confirmed there. You can get that number from this specific Korean website. So that was a technology I was learning and I thought it would apply to this coronavirus um, kind of thing because, you know, there's like 30 sources that it gets information from. So I kind of just combined those two things and that's when I started working on it. And um, I kind of just learned as I went along. I mean, there's plenty of things I had no idea how to do, but um, I learned as I made it. For example, the whole server thing. I'd never set up a server before, never coded in Linux or any kind of thing like that. So I just kind of learned as I went along. I mean, you can learn anything online, so yeah. Wow, that's super, super cool. So what I find super fascinating about this whole thing is that you've been going through the process, devoting so much of your time to this. I just am wondering what, what motivates you to work so tirelessly and do it basically yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think what motivates me a lot is that it's able to help a lot of people like internationally. I mean, there's people in Germany and like Lithuania just like pick any country on the entire world except I guess Greenland and some African countries <laughs> and people are sending me messages from there saying how helpful my website is 
like there was a guy that went to Beijing and he got quarantined there on a business trip. And, um, you know, he didn't speak Chinese, but he was able to use my site, which is in English, will soon be in Chinese, though, and was able to just get the information that he wasn't able to get from local Chinese sources. So that was really cool. And that's a big motivation that it's able to help people internationally. I mean, there's like 130 countries that have visited my website so far. So it's pretty cool. Okay, so you're talking about how people always visit your um, website to get new information, the latest information. How do you confirm that this information is accurate? So the information is cross-checked to plenty of sources. For example, it doesn't just get the information from the CDC, which is also very similar to the information from the WHO or, you know, like a local Chinese government website. So it like kind of cross-checks all of these to make sure the numbers are correct. And then so there, there used to be like individual sources you can click on on the like the timeline, but that's temporarily removed. But when that comes back um, for all the numbers that you see showing up, you'll be able to just click on a source and go straight to the news source or, you know, the variety of news sources about that. And I remember you saying that that one time you had a fluke and there was an error with misinformation on your site when uh, you were first creating Yeah, it. so a while ago, maybe like a couple weeks ago, there was um there was a bug where the numbers doubled and that was kind of terrifying because I got I like woke up to hundreds and hundreds of emails of people just like complaining about stuff, so that was kind of scary. <laughs> but um I mean, it's a great learning process because when you're making something this big, there's always going to be some kind of problem. I mean, you know, even giant companies like Facebook, I mean, their website could just crash at any second or not I mean not right now but you know there could be a yeah. bug that could just ruin the experience for tons of people so it's a great learning process you know when I make something big like Facebook how to manage these kinds of things and how to manage the stress of like you know hundreds of thousands of people just counting on you to get their information daily yeah I could see that being really stressful so you're doing this kind of single-handedly right now um, and the website is growing and growing and you're adding more and more things do you think that you'll want to put a team together or have you already started doing that and getting other outside help? Yeah, I mean, like right now, all the code is just 100% myself. And one of the big problems is that I get, you know, like almost a thousand emails a day. And so it's really hard to sift through those because um, there's a lot of people just saying like, you know, thank you. And, you know, this is really cool, which, you know, is great and all. And I reply to those. But then there's also a lot of emails from, you know, like the media. Um, for example, I have a couple more meetings later today with some media places, but it's really hard to find those emails um, out of the thousands of emails I get. So, I mean, it would be really cool if there was some kind of like AI thing that you could do. It's just like, I want just emails of people trying to contact me about mm -hmm. business meetings and, you know, also separate them into different folders, you know, like the person down the street. That's just like, oh, that's really cool. So, um, I mean, in the future as well, I plan to add a lot more features right now. I think I can handle it pretty much by myself, huh. but um, I, I plan to turn this into a bigger thing in the future. That's just more than the coronavirus. So in, in that future, um, I will probably... Uh, get some people to help me, but that's in the far future. Okay. As a teenager who goes to a, a public high school, and you also, I know you take classes outside of high school yeah, too. Yeah, well, mostly here though. Yeah. Um, what has your life been like at, at school, in a school environment, especially so the social aspect of everybody knowing you created this huge website? So, I mean, in terms of school, uh, in Bellevue College, there's a lot of people I've seen just like across the classroom just using my um, my website which is really neat or I've just been like walking around I've just seen people on their phone just like looking at my website which is really cool because mm -hmm. you know like you see people all the time on you know Instagram or something like that but never on like something you made which I find is really cool and I mean it, it has been uh, a lot of work that I've had to do in school but because I do running start I don't really have that much work um, and I have a lot of free time so I have a lot of time to dedicate to this website. So you've you think that you're kind of curbing school at the moment I mean, yeah, I mean, school, I'll, I'll graduate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 
but I, I think that this is more important short term than just like you know studying for a yeah. math test. I'm probably gonna fail anyways. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, this is like you know a once in a lifetime thing. I mean, hopefully I'll make plenty of more things that'll become even bigger in the future. That's the plan. But you know, not a, not every teenager creates something that's on you know the Today Show. So. I think that's a bigger focus of mine right now than going to school. I mean, as much as my teachers probably don't want to hear that, but I mean, I'll graduate and then figure things out. Okay. Sounds like a good plan. Um, so quick question. You're talking about future beyond the coronavirus and where this website's headed. What sort of like areas you want to invest your energy in and how can you leverage this momentum that you're getting from the website into bigger projects that might be like applicable to multiple problems, if that makes sense. Sure. So I'm actually starting a company now. Um, and then I have a couple of uh, big CEOs and things like that that are kind of going to mentor me through this. Because um, kind of the goal is, is that one of the really cool things I can do with this to turn this into like a, a profitable country is that I can get this information, you know, hours before the New York Times or anything like that. So I can package all that information and then sell it to like, you know, investors. I mean, imagine being an investor and you know that, oh, my God, 5000 people are infected on this cruise ship, you know, 10 hours before the New York Times makes a whole fancy article about it. So I think that's a really profitable business, and it's more than just the coronavirus. I mean, there's always going to be some kind of world event, whether it's a giant earthquake, you know, meteor strike, I don't know. So um, that that's kind of what I plan for a bigger picture than just this specific coronavirus website. And also in the future, you know, um, I'd like to also make tracking websites for, you know, let's say Ebola outbreaks again. All you have to do is just change the scripts a little bit, and bam, I got an Ebola website. So, yeah. In terms of like news sources, are you saying that so like the New York Times doesn't have access to the information as rapidly or they have access to it but aren't able to like publish it and put it out as quickly? I mean, a lot of the information I get faster, I think, because I'm able to get this information directly from like, you know, dot KR, you know, Korean government, like local health websites. And, you know, every single Chinese province has their own little health department, which I'm able to get. You know, I scrape the Chinese data and all that kind of stuff, which, um, you know, uh, the New York Times not necessarily is doing and plus you know they have to write a whole article about it and some person has to physically like type that out whereas I mean nothing all, all my code is just automated like I've never manually entered any numbers to my site all, all the scripts do it so while I'm sleeping it's updating every minute um, which I don't think you know the these other organizations can do so I think that's a big plus to my software wow I think that what you're doing is so incredible, especially considering you're only a teenager. It's really inspiring. Um, kind of looking at the big picture over this whole experience for you, what do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned that maybe you didn't expect to learn? Or um, I guess so online. There's a lot of like big news articles on places like Yahoo and uh, you know Today Show and soon there's going to be some more later today. Um and so there's a lot of like terrible comments on Facebook and things. I'm not really affected by that though. So I think it's a big learning process to know that not everybody uh, likes what you're doing. And there's a lot of people that just complain about everything that you do no matter what. I mean, there's a lot of people that just, they find some random thing. I mean, for example, um, they found my Instagram. So now they're like going through my Instagram. It's pretty <laughs> funny though. I mean, I don't really care if they find my pictures. But um, so I, I mean, I think it's a process to see how the world reacts to something that you do because in the future when I make something you know bigger again and stuff and it's in the news again then you know I'll, I'll also be prepared for oh you know this person doesn't like the fact that I'm Jewish or something like that so um, I, I think it's an interesting learning process to learn how to deal with annoying people okay I think that's a really good takeaway just looking at coronavirus in general do you think that there's one either misconception people people have about it or something that you think people should know about coronavirus or maybe um 
yeah, where I you mean, think how you think coronavirus is going to carry into the future. Sure. I mean, I, I can say a couple of things. For example, um, I think some of these might be uh, pretty well known. But um, for example, masks, uh, masks, they don't really help you that much. They're only to prevent other people from getting sick from you. So if you cough, you know, it gets contained in your mask. So if you just go out in public and wear a mask, it's not really going to help you that much, especially if you just wear like a surgical mask, it'll just go right through. Um, and as well, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's just a flu or like, you know, the media is kind of hyping this up a lot. But in my opinion, I think it's kind of like the other way around. I think the virus is like way worse than the media is even saying. I mean, mm -hmm. even if it only kills like two to four percent, that's a lot of people. And especially, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you know, it only kills old people, which isn't really true. It does kill a lot of younger people, just not as much. But I mean, don't you have like a grandma or something? It's that that's pretty mm -hmm. concerning when a lot of people say it's just a flu. And even if it is just a flu. Um, I don't want to get the flu because that's annoying. Um, <laughs> and I mean, especially as it spreads, which it is going to spread to probably almost everyone. I mean, eventually it'll slow down and stuff, but it'll probably affect, you know, more than half of the population um, at this rate. And it's probably not going to slow down for probably another year or so. So, I mean, that will two to four percent of like the entire world population is a lot of people. That's like mm -hmm. tens of millions of people, which is a pretty big catastrophe, especially in like the economy, a lot of things. So. I think a lot of people need to understand that two to four percent is a is a lot higher than they think for a death rate. I mean, of course, there's more factors that go into that, but uh, that's I think that's a big misconception. That also another thing, a lot of people are saying that it's going to be like a seasonal kind of thing. I think I've seen a lot of people talk about that, but there hasn't really been much evidence for that, and it probably won't slow down when it gets warmer. Sorry to say. Uh, I mean, for example, it's in places like Singapore, which are pretty hot. Um, and it's spreading like wildfire there. So, yeah. So people, um, not, not I, trying to scare anyone. No, I know. I was, I was just going to say, um, because coronavirus is so new and not much is known about it. People are, are really kind of panicking. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are afraid of anything unknown. That's why you're like afraid of the yeah. dark and stuff. So, I mean, not like the scientists are like, they just ge like, you know, sequencing the genome of this kind of thing. You know, that's why it's called, you know, NCOV, you know, it's novel coronavirus because it's something new. And I think that's why a lot of people are scared. Like, we know a lot about influenza. That's why not many people are scared about it. But, you know, th this is something entirely new. So I think that's uh, a big reason why a lot of people are scared and why this is being hyped up so much in the media. Yeah. So y a lot of actions being taken, like schools are starting to get canceled. Things are being rescheduled. People are kind of freaking out. Do you think that this state of panic will kind of continue into the future? And do you think things will get worse and everything will be shut down? I mean, a lot of places aren't even close. I mean, for example, there's a lot of giant events that are happening in the world. Like, for example, I think there's some Comic-Con. I mean, I don't really go to those kind of things, but, you know, that takes people from all around the entire world um, and puts them all in one place. You know, that's a terrible idea and things like the Olympics. So there's all these big events that are just happening. And I think the world needs to know, like, hey, you, know, you can't have your marathons when half the people are going to get sick and then, like, die later. Because, you know, that's just not how you treat a world pandemic. And a lot of countries aren't doing a very good job. I mean, some countries are doing a great job. Like in Korea, they have drive-through testing, while in the United States, I mean, they don't even have proper testing kits. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think in the future that a lot of places need to prepare more for pandemics. I mean, as much as people don't like China, they have actually done the best job it, now that they've like quarantined like, you know, 700 million people, which, you know, United States can't do that. But um, we, we need to work on how to properly deal with uh, pandemics in the future, because this is only going to happen again and again and again every couple of years. So. Yeah. So you say the United States just isn't handling pandemic well. 
what would you advise that they do just generally? So, I mean, <laughs> the CDC needs to work a lot more on working with manufacturers to make sure that there can be some kind of testing kit that can be, you know, distributed better. Like, for example, I think there was only like 400 or something testing kits for the entirety of Washington, while Korea is testing like tens of thousands of people like every day. I mean, they've tested like a t- like almost 100,000 people by now, I think, which is just insane. And while in the United States, we've tested like, you know, your mom down the street and that's about it. And, <laughs> and there's a lot of people that, that actually they're only testing people. I um, mean, they're probably changing this soon, but right, have, they have been only testing people that have been in contact with a confirmed case, which is kind of ridiculous because they should be really testing like a wider range of people. And then I think in the coming weeks, as um, the United States starts ramping up their testing and of course it starts spreading, they'll realize this is probably everywhere. I mean, I bet you all three of us have it by now. I mean, it probably mm-hmm. doesn't affect us, but um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot more people have it. And also this will probably lower the death rate too, because right now uh, I think there's about, I don't know, something like 13 deaths in the United States and there's like 130-ish cases in the United States. So the death rate's pretty high then if you, if you think about it that way. But as we start testing, you know, we may actually have, you know, thousands of people infected, but only like, you know, 13 have died. So I think that will lower the death rate considerably once we start um, testing more. So once once you've gotten all these people tested, assuming that we are able to test more, if you test positive, what, what do you think people should start doing? Like what well, action I do mean, you take after that? I mean, if they get tested positive, they'll probably be put in quarantine and stuff. But um, I think a lot of people need to work on like self-quarantining themselves because a lot of people you know, they realize that they're sick and then just like, oh, well, you know what, I'll just hop in my car and, you know, drive to a football game and infect everyone at the football game, um, which I think is a terrible thing to do. And I think people need to work a lot more on figuring out how they can work from home or just, you know, being more self-sufficient and, you know, stocking up their house with food and things for when things like this happen. Because if you're sick, you know, don't go to a soccer game, please, because then everyone else at the soccer game is probably going to get infected and it's just terrible. And that's how these kind of things spread. Okay, I think that that's all of the questions I sure. have for you. But this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming to talk yeah, to me. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> These um, microphones are cool. So I'll shout out, um, you pronounced it differently, N-Cov. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, that stands for Novel Coronavirus 2019.live. Um, uh-huh. The official name is is uh, COVID-19, which stands for Coronavirus Infectious Disease 2019. Um, that was like the official name, but I, someone, I, during the WHO briefing, someone bought every single COVID-19 domain <laughs> like within 10 minutes. Yeah. So I've just been sticking with NCOV2019.live. I mean, it's kind of a complicated domain to remember. I agree. So I would like to change that maybe one day. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that's the meaning behind the name. Okay. So anybody listening, you can go to, um, it's spelled NCOV2019.live um, and you can see the entire website. It's, yep. it's I Works highly recommend right checking it out. <laughs> yeah, it looks great on a phone and a computer. Um, mm-hmm. And this is Avi Schiffman. Remember his name. I, he's going to be huge. He already is huge. Um, I'm so Not lucky that. to have gotten to, no, I'm Sorry. so lucky to have gotten to, um, talk to you today. Yeah. Uh, so this has been Eden on 88.9 The Bridge, um, talking with Avi about his website and coronavirus. Um, thanks for listening.